0: Chapter Forty Three of Mary Annerley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mary Annerley by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. Chapter Forty Three. A Pleasant Interview. Cumbered as he was of body and burdened with some cares of mind the general factor ploughed his way with his usual resolution a scowl of dark vapor came over the headlands and underran the snow-clouds with a scud like bonfire smoke the keen wind following the curves of land and shaking the fringe of every white-clad bush piped like a boy through a comb wherever stock or stub divided it it turned all the coat of the horse the wrong way and frizzed up the hair of mr mordacks which was as short as the soldiers and tossed up his heavy riding cape and got into him all up the small of his back being fond of strong language he indulged in much but none of it warmed him and the wind whistled over his shoulders and whirled the words out of his mouth when he came to the dip of the road where it crosses the danes dyke he pulled up his horse for a minute in the shelter of shivering fir trees what a cursed bleak country my fish is frozen stiff and my legs are dead as the mutton in the saddlebags. bags jeffrey you are a fool he said charity is very fine and business even better but a good coal fire is the best of all but in for a penny of it in for a pound Hark i hear some fellow-fool equally determined to be frozen i'll go at once and hail him perhaps the sight of him will bore me he turned his horse down a little lane upon the left where snow lay deep with laden bushes overhanging it and a rill of water bridged with bearded ice ran dark in the hedge trough and here he found a stout Lusty man with shining red cheeks and keen blue eyes hacking and hewing in a mighty maze of brambles, my friend, you seem busy, I admire your vast industry, Mr. Mordax exclaimed as the man looked at him, but ceased not from swinging his long hedgehook. Happy is the land that owns such men. The land doth't own me, I own the land. I shall be pleased to learn what your business is upon it. Farmer Annerley hated chaff, as a good agriculturist should do. Moreover, he was vexed by many little griefs to-day, and had not been out long enough to work them off. He guessed pretty shrewdly that this sordid man was Mordux, as the leading wags of Flamborough were gradually calling him, and the sight of a sword upon his farm, unless of an officer bound to it, was already some disquietude to an English farmer's heart. That was a trifle, for fools would be fools and might think it a grand thing to go about with tools they were never born to the handling of. But a fellow who was come to take up Robin Leith's case and strive to get him out of his abominable crime had better go back to the Rogue's Highway instead of coming down the private road to Annerley. "'Upon my word, I do believe,' cried Mordacks with a sprightly joy, "'that I have the pleasure of meeting at last the well-known Captain Annerly. "'My dear sir, I cannot help commending your prudence "'in guarding the entrance to your manor, "'but not in this employment of a bill-hook. "'From all that I hear, it is a paradise indeed. "'What a heaven in such weather as the present!' "'Now, Captain Annerly, I entreat you to consider whether it is wise to take the thorn so from the rose. If I had so sweet a place, I would plant brambles, briars, blackthorn, firs, cretaceous, every kind of spinous growth inside my gates, and never let anybody lop them. Captain, you are too hospitable.' Farmer Annerley gazed with wonder at this man who could talk so fast for the first time of seeing a body, then feeling as if his hospitality were challenged and desiring more leisure for reflection. "'You better come down the lane, sir,' he said. "'Am I to understand that you invite me to your house, or only to the gate where the dogs come out? Excuse me, I always am a most plain-spoken man.' our dogs never bite anybody but rogues in that case captain Annerly, i may trust their moral estimate i knew a farmer once who was a thorough thief in hay a man who farmed his own land and trimmed his own hedges a thoroughly respectable and solid agriculturist But his trusses of hay were always six pounds short, and if ever anybody brought a sample truss to the steer yard, he had got a little dog, just seven pounds weight, who slipped into the core of it, being just a good hay-color. He always delivered his hay in the twilight, and when it swung the beam he used to say, "'Come now, I must charge you for overweight.' "'Now, Captain, have you got such an honest dog as that?' i would have claimed him that i would if such a clever dog were weighed to me but sir you have got the better of me what a man for stories you be for sure come into our fireplace farmer annerly was conquered by this tale which he told fifty times every year he lived thereafter never failing to finish with what rogues they be up york way master mordacks was delighted with this piece of luck on his side many times he had been longing to get in at Annerley, not only from the reputation of good cheer there but also from kind curiosity to see the charming mary who was now becoming an important element of business since robin had given him the slip so sadly a thing that was impossible to guard against the best chance of hearing what became of him would be to get into the good graces of his sweetheart we have been very sadly for a long time now said the farmer as he knocked at his own porch door with the handle of his bill-hook there used to be one as was always welcome here and a pleasure it was to see him make himself so pleasant sir but ever since the lord took him home from his family without a good-bye as a man might say "'My wife hath taken to bar the doors "'whiles I am away and out of sight.' Stephen Annerly knocked harder "'and thus explained the need for it, "'for it grieved him to have his house shut up. "'Very wise of them all to bar out such weather,' "'said Mordacks, who read the farmer's thoughts like print. "'Don't relax your rules, sir, until the weather changes.' "'Ah, that was a very sad thing about the captain.' as gallant as an officer as single-minded as ever killed a frenchman in the best days of our navy single-minded is the very word to give him sir i sought about for it ever since i heard of him coming to an end like that and doing of his duty in the thick of it if i could only get a gentleman to tell me or an officer's wife would be better still what the manners is when a poor lady gets her husband shot i'll be blessed if i wouldn't go straight and see her though they make such a distance betwixt us and the regulars oh then you've come at last no thief no thief father cried mary bravely opening the door of which the ruffian wind made wrong by casting her figure in high relief and yet a pardonable wrong father. YOU ARE QUITE WISE TO COME HOME BEFORE YOUR DEAR NOSE IS QUITE CUT OFF. Oh, I BEG YOUR PARDON, SIR, I NEVER SAW YOU. MY FATE IN LIFE IS TO BE OVERLOOKED, MR. Mordax ANSWERED WITH A MARTIAL STRIDE. BUT NOT ALWAYS, YOUNG LADY, WITH SUCH EXQUISITE REVENGE. WHAT I LOOK AT PAYS FIFTY FOLD FOR BEING OVERLOOKED. YOU ARE AN IMPUDENT, CONCEITED MAN, THOUGHT MARY TO HERSELF WITH GROSS INJUSTICE. "'but she only blushed and said, "'I beg your pardon, sir.' "'You see, sir,' "'quoth the farmer with some severity, "'tempered, however, with a smile of pride, "'my daughter, "'Mary Annerly. "'And I take off my hat,' "'replied audacious Mordax, "'among whose faults was no false shame. "'Not only to salute a lady, sir, "'but also to have a better look. "'Well, well!' said the farmer as mary ran away your city ways are high polite no doubt but my little lass is strange to them and i like her better so than to answer pert with pertness now you come in and warm your feet a bit none of us are younger than we used to be this was not master annerly's general style of welcoming a guest but he hated new-fangled frenchified manners as he told his good wife when he boasted by and by how finely he had put that old coxcomb down you never should have done it was all the praise he got mr mordacks is a business man and business men always must relieve their minds for no sooner now was a general factor introduced to mistress annerly than she perceived clearly that the object of his visit was not to make speeches to young chits of girls but to seek the advice of a sensible person who ought to have been consulted a hundred times for once that she even had been allowed to open her mouth fairly sitting by the fire he convinced her that the whole of the mischief had been caused by the sheer neglect of her opinion everything she said was so exactly to the point that he could not conceive how it should have been so slighted and she for her part begged him to stay and partake of their simple dinner dear madam it cannot be he replied alas i must not think of it my conscience reproaches me for indulging as i have done in what is far sweeter than even one of your dinners a most sensible lady's society I have a long bitter ride before me to comfort the fatherless and the widow. My two legs of mutton will be thawed by this time in the general warmth of your stable. I also am thawed, warmed, and feasted, I may say, by happy approximation to a mind so bright and congenial. Captain Annerly, madam, has shown true kindness in allowing me the privilege of exclusive speech with you. Little did I hope for such a piece of luck this morning. You have put so many things in a new and brilliant light that my road becomes clear before me. Justice must be done, and you feel quite sure that Robin Leath committed this atrocious murder because poor Carroway surprised him so when making clandestine love at your brother Squire Popplewell's to a beautiful young lady who shall be nameless and deeply as you grieve for the loss of such a neighbor the bravest officer of the british navy who leapt from a strictly immeasurable height into a french ship and scattered all her crew and has since had a baby about three months old as well as innumerable children you feel that you have reason to be thankful sometimes that the young man's character has been so clearly shown before he contrived to make his way into the bosom of respectable families in the neighbourhood i never thought it out quite so clear as that sir for i feel so sorry for everybody and especially those who have brought him up and those he has made away with quite so my dear madam such are your fine feelings springing from the goodness of your nature pardon my saying that you could have no other according to my experience of a most benevolent countenance part of my duty and in such a case as yours one of the pleasantest parts of it is to study the expression of a truly benevolent i am not that old sir asking of your pardon to pretend to be benevolent all that i lay claim to is to look at things sensible "'Certainly, yet with a tincture of high feeling. "'Now, if it should happen that this poor young man "'were of very high birth, perhaps the highest in the country, "'an heir to very large landed property, "'and a title and all that sort of nonsense, "'you would look at him from the very same point of view?' "'That I would, sir, that I would, "'so long as he was proclaimed for hanging. "'But!' "'Naturally bound, of course, to be more sorry for him. "'Yes, from sense of all the good things he must lose. "'There seems, however, to be strong ground for believing, "'as I may tell you in confidence, Dr. Upbrown does, "'that he had no more to do with it than you or I, madam. "'At first I concluded, as you have done, "'I am going to see Mrs. Carraway now.' till then i suspend my judgment now that is what nobody should do mr mordacks i have tried but never found good come of it to change your mind is two words against yourself and you go wrong both ways before and after undoubtedly you do ma'am i never thought of that before but you must remember that we have not the gift of hitting i might say of making THE TRUTH, WITH A FLASH OR A DASH, AS YOU LADIES HAVE. MAY I BE ALLOWED TO COME AGAIN? TO TELL YOU THE TRUTH, SIR, I AM HEARTILY SORRY THAT YOU ARE GOING AWAY AT ALL. I COULD HAVE TALKED TO YOU ALL AFTERNOON, AND HOW SELDOM I GET THE CHANCE NOW, LORD KNOWS. THERE IS THAT IN YOUR CONVERSATION WHICH MAKES ONE FEEL QUITE SURE OF BEING UNDERSTOOD. NOT SO MUCH IN WHAT YOU SAY, SIR. "'if you understand my meaning, as in the way you look, "'quite as if my meaning was not at all too quick for you. "'My good husband is of a greater mind than I am, "'being nine and forty inches round the chest. "'But his mind seems somehow to come after mine, "'the same as the ducks do going down to our pond. "'Mistress Annerly, how thankful you should be!' what a picture of conjugal felicity but i thought that the drake always led the way never upon our farm sir when he doth it is a proof of his being crossed with wild ducks the same as a bee round flamborough oh now i see the truth how slow i am it improves their flavor at the expense of their behavior but seriously madam you are fit to take the lead what a pleasant visit i have had i must brace myself up for a very sad one now a poor lady with none to walk behind her yes to be sure it is very fine of me to talk but if i was left without my husband i should only care to walk after him please to give her my kind love sir though i have only seen her once and if there is anything that we can do if there's anything we can do said the farmer coming out of his corn chamber we won't talk about it but we'll do it mr the factor quietly dispersed this rebuke by waving his hand at his two legs of mutton and the cod which had thawed in the stable i knew that i should be too late he said HER HOUSE WILL BE FULL OF SUCH LITTLE THINGS AS THESE, SO WARM IS THE FEELING OF THE NEIGHBORHOOD. I GUESSED AS MUCH, AND ARRANGED WITH MY BUTCHER TO TAKE THEM BACK IN THAT CASE, AND HE SAID THAT THEY WOULD EAT ALL THE BETTER FOR THE RIDE. BUT AS FOR THE COD, PERHAPS YOU WILL ACCEPT HIM. I COULD NEVER TAKE HIM BACK TO Flamborough. RIGHT AWAY, SIR, RIGHT AWAY said the farmer who had better not to have measured swords with mordacks i were thinking of sending a cart over there so soon as the weather should be opening of the roads up but the children might be hankering after meat the worse for all the snow time it is almost impossible to imagine such a thing universally respected suddenly cut off enormous family with hereditary hunger all the neighbors well aware of straitened circumstances the kindest-hearted country in great britain sorrow and abundance must have cloyed their appetites as at a wealthy man's funeral what a fool i must have been not to foresee all that better see than foresee replied the farmer who was crusty from remembering that he had done nothing neighbors likes to wait for neighbors to go in same as two cows staring at a new-mown meadow. End of Chapter Forty-Three. Recording by Keith Salis.